Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Over the past year, we've heard a lot about artificial intelligence models that are really good at manipulating language. We've heard somewhat less about AI that deals with images. It's called computer vision, and it's a huge deal. Which, you know, obviously, like language, vision is this core part of the experience of being human. And on a more practical level... Computer vision is key for self-driving cars and for drones and for all kinds of industrial robots. As it turns out, there was this one key moment in the development of modern AI for both vision and language. And if you understand this moment, you understand a lot about how AI works today. I'm Jacob Goldstein. This is What's Your Problem, the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today played a central role in that key moment in AI history. Her name is Fei-Fei Li. Uh, she's a Stanford computer scientist, the author of a memoir called The Worlds I See, uh, the former chief scientist of AI and machine learning at Google, and just generally one of the most important innovators in the history of computer vision. I started our conversation with really a pretty general question. Uh, I asked Fei-Fei just to explain what computer vision is and why it's so important. So computer vision is about enabling computers and machines to have visual intelligence. And what is visual intelligence? Well, the best um, example comes from humans who are extremely visually intelligent uh, animals so that we can make an omelet by um, knowing what is in our fridge, how do we go and take the egg out, how do we take the tomato out, how do we, you know, plan the, 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 the cooking of the omelet, how do we interact with every ingredient, and how do we understand uh, all the changes of the objects and and uh, all this is part of visual intelligence. 
Yeah, I mean, you write in, in your book that vision isn't just an application of our intelligence. It is synonymous with our intelligence, yes. which is something I want to talk more about. But before we get into human vision and how that led you into computer vision, just give me a sense of some of the applications, both the current applications of computer vision and potential future applications of computer vision. In fact, we're already using computer vision to do a lot of things. The most obvious example is all kind of driver's assistant programs, right? We're not talking even about self-driving cars. We're talking about lane detection. We're talking about avoiding curbsides, a pedestrian alert, you know, we are using computer vision in our healthcare system, in radiology, in pathology, or, you know, um, in, in protecting of species. Uh, a lot of, um, the camera traps in the, in the deep forests are using computer vision to track, um, to track uh, different animals. So we're using computer vision already on a daily basis. And then when you dream of some, uh, applications that are not here yet, but that might be here in whatever, five or 10 years. What do you think of? What's at the top of that list? So when I dream of computer vision, I dream of all kind of robotic application from self-driving car to personal robots using computer vision. I dream of our biodiversity being mapped using uh, computer vision. I dream of exploration using computer vision. Wonderful. So I want to talk about your work in computer vision, which goes back, uh, well, decades now. Um, and I want to start with um, work not on computers, actually, but on on human beings, right? Mm -hmm. on, on understanding of how humans uh, process visual information, right? Mm -hmm. How we make sense of what we're seeing. And in the book, you write in particular about this uh, 1996 paper with a boring name that it was a huge deal. It was called Speed of Processing in the Human Visual System. Tell me about that paper and what it meant. It's a paper of using EEG, uh, which is recording electrical brain waves, um, to make a link between how how fast can humans make a very complex visual decision um, when they see something. And this the particular decision humans were to make is to um, separate images from images containing animals and images not containing animals. And if you okay. think about the, the pool of possibilities, it's extremely um, complex. It's actually mathematically just an infinite possibility because there are so many different types of animals, so many different, yeah, right. different types of non-animals that's infinite for practical purposes. And then you put them in photos, you can get infinite possibilities of photos, yet you show them one by one, one by one to humans, they make decisions really quickly and they make correct decisions really quickly we not know just that really quickly but like mind-bogglingly quickly at the time right it was shocking just how how fast it was right milliseconds yeah so the thing is we kind of sort of know we're good at seeing right as as a species uh -huh. we know we open our eyes we see the world but we don't really know how good and how fast. Uh -huh. And this is like we the, underestimate. It's it's yes. a rare case where human beings underestimate ourselves. Exactly. This is a 
rigorous scientific study that put a time, an actual time, to that speed of、um, visual intelligence, and it's using modern technique. It's、uh, very smart and、uh, very very exciting. What did it mean to you when you saw that result? When you read that paper? When I read that paper, it means North Star. Let me explain. What does North Star mean? As North Star, okay. Yeah, as、uh-huh. a scientist, I'm driven by finding answers to the most audacious question. But as as Einstein has said, in science scientific inquiry, the hardest job is not finding solution; is asking the right question. Uh huh. Because. You you know when you like we talk about visual intelligence, it's such a vast topic. What is the topic to pursue? What is the question to ask that is fundamental to visual intelligence? And how do we unlock it? When when we read that Simon Thorpe paper, it convinced me that complex object categorization, the ability、uh-huh. to classify. You know, animal versus no animal, chair versus you know table, hot dog、uh, not a hot dog, hot dog、yeah. versus hamburger. You know,、yeah. this is fundamental to humans. It's a building block of visual intelligence. It is. It has a neural correlate in human brain that shows how evolutionarily, evolutionarily optimized it is. So, with all that、uh, evidence, it convinced me. Object categorization is a north star to pursue. And you were you were a grad student at the time, right? This is sort of the thing, and any ambitious grad student is going to be doing is like, I know I'm interested in this field, but I need my question, I need、yeah. my thing, right? And、yeah. so now you've got your thing. Yes,、uh, and it's categorization in particular. And you describe how earlier theories of How humans process visual input was not so categorization focused, right? It was kind of like if you just sort of thought from first principles, you would think, well, we see color and we see shapes, and then we kind of make sense of it. But what this paper and related work is showing is like that's actually not it, right? And in fact, our brains—you write about how there are specific regions of the brain, like this region is just face. The face categorization、yes. region, and this region is the like places we go all the time region, and so it's a really different and interesting way of thinking about seeing, and it's it's fundamentally about just incredibly quickly putting things into categories,、um, and so you decide to take this idea of vision and categorization and try and figure out how to how to get computers to do this, right? How to get computers to be able. To categorize objects from the world, and you you start building、uh, these datasets essentially of labeled images, right? And you build what seems in retrospect like a relatively small one at Caltech, and then you decide to build a really big one, right? It comes to be called the ImageNet. It's a thing you're famous for, or nerd famous for.、Um, And I want to talk about building ImageNet, right? So, tell me about deciding to build what becomes ImageNet. So, Jacob, the the ImageNet is the north star to me. I was in the field long enough because I finished my PhD. I started my own lab. I had this unwavering faith and belief that you know unlocking object recognition is 
part of the North is a North Star, is a critical North Star. And I became impatient because I realized we were not making enough progress. Uh, I realized uh-huh. that, um, especially algorithmically, we were like running in circles a little bit of optimizing very small algorithms that are not really getting to the essence of the problem. And part of the essence, yeah. which a lot of people overlooked, is actually the scale of the problem. What was really bothering me is that we were not seeing the problem. We're not seeing the mathematical problem with the scale thinking because it's not just about being big. It's about the mathematical reason of why we should go big. And it's it's a uh-huh. very deep reason. In general, it's a reason for what we call generalization. You have to learn enough to be able to see everything. And that uh-huh. mindset- You got to see a lot of pictures of things that are cats and not cats to understand what is a cat right. and what is not a cat. Yeah. Right. That that mindset was just not, you know, that's a big data mindset. It was not um, in, in the world at all at that time. So how did you get there? How, how did you, because what you end up doing is building this just gargantuan- uh, thing full of labeled images bigger than anybody had ever built before? Like, how did you arrive at that? That's a great question. I, I, I think that's actually the most fun but difficult part of the book to write is, you know, like dig into my own brain. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, in hindsight, it's just little by little, the insight and the realization, mm. the epiphany. But honestly, I don't know how to analyze my own brain. I had the mathematical intuition that um, scale makes a difference, bigger difference than most people give credit to. I also had the neurocognitive science inspiration that uh, early human development was exposure to the world in continuous ways. We don't like lock the baby in a dark room and right. and, and show them, you know, a hundred cats. The, they just go out and experience, you know, that experience is actually driven by big data. Um, maybe I was also inspired by this internet age coming our way, right? Like that part, I do think it's a little bit moment, moment of just being alone and somehow, um, all the stars aligned in my head. <laughs> and, uh, I decided I'm going to try the craziest thing. And, um, and I did have of faith and believe that uh, it was the right thing to do. And specifically, like, what was this thing that you were going to build? I'm going to get the entire internet of images consisted of all the objects I can get my hands on that humans have ever taken pictures of and catalog them in a gigantic big database. And I will use that to do two things to train machines to recognize the entire world of objects and also to benchmark everybody's progress. You know, everybody, uh-huh. I mean the international community of computer vision scientists. So you, you will have this database and then everyone can train their computer vision models on your database and see how yeah. they do on new images. Yes. So, so you have to decide, there's this interesting part of the book where you're like, okay, I want to build a database with everything in it how many categories of everything are there, right? Somebody's right. actually done that research. If you take all the things, 
How many kinds of things are there? What's the number? Um, the number is the Biederman number. And yeah. the Biederman number is a, I'm proud of really giving Professor Irv Biederman that credit. Yeah. Nobody noticed that number. He wrote, he's a cognitive scientist who wrote it very, very good, but I don't think it's a famous paper in the 1980s, guesstimating or estimating uh, with the back of envelope computation of how many visual concepts humans see. And that is a very hard number. How do you interrogate a person and say, list me all the visual concepts? It's impossible. But yeah. he had a way of using dictionary and using visual structure to guesstimate. And he put a number of 30,000 visual concepts. There are 30,000 different sort of kinds of things people, right. can, people can see. identify, differentiate. Between. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's Let's just a start lot. with this. Yeah. <laughs> and every concept. And if you're setting out, if you're setting out to, so are, is that your number? Is your that, number yeah, 30,000? That was my number. I was obsessed with that number. And <laughs> I was obsessed in a way that I feel I was kind of crazy because nobody was obsessed with that number. Nobody even knew. I think uh -huh. my book is the book that gave the number a name, which is Biederman's uh -huh. number. And I'm very proud uh -huh. of that. Do you can you just rattle off some of the categories? Star nose mole. Star nose mole. Okay. Yes. Is that, that's a that category was, unto that itself. That was my favorite, one of my favorite <laughs> categories. And um, gardenian. Um Windsor the flower. chair. Okay. Yes. Windsor chair. Um, there sure. were hundreds of dogs. I remember there were, uh, -huh. uh different kind of cars, like, um, like sports sedan and, uh, -huh. uh monocycles. Yeah, you know, okay. so <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. So Fei-Fei Li has her number. She has her big idea. She knows what she needs to build. A gigantic image database. But how do you actually do that? We'll have the answer in just a minute. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. Oracle.com strategic. Um, okay. So you've got your giant North Star task ahead of you. Not only do you have, you know, 30,000-ish categories to deal with, um, presumably for each category, you need many, many thousands. So it's thousands of images per category, tens of thousands of categories. Uh, what is the order of magnitude? We're talking about tens of millions. Tens yeah, of millions. North of 10 and million. This is, yeah. And this is not a time where you can do this in an automated or semi-automated way no, like you could now. No, I mean, the point is the machines cannot do it. We have to, this is a North Star to push machines towards that. So you have to do it by human hand. And the good like news downloading is- downloading and labeling. Uh, uh, yeah, millions cleaning, or tens of millions down, of images. Downloading, cleaning, labeling. And yes, um, that's that was the task. So now you're like Henry Ford or something, right? Now you need a uh, an assembly line. You need a factory for for creating this database. Yeah, you can put it that way. Um, and we needed a global workforce, and eventually we found them on Amazon Mechanical Turk. It's an online global uh-huh. uh, market. It's a market for project based work, yes. right? People yes. doing project based work. Yeah, and so so. How long does it take you to build this thing? And how big is it when it's done? It, it took us three years. When it was done, it's 15 million um, hand-cleaned, sorted, curated, labeled images um, across 22,000 categories. So now you have this thing. It's called ImageNet. And basically, the function of it is it, it itself is not useful, right? It is there to train. Well, it's useful as a means to an end. It's there for people who have models that aim to teach computers vision to see and understand to train their models. Now there is this giant database. I mean, people talk about this as 
kind of one of the beginnings of big data. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, I think it should be properly recognized as the beginning of big data in AI because before this, there isn't this concept of big data in AI. It, uh -huh. it, it was just a paradigm shift from that point of view. And so you create this contest where people can come and train their models on ImageNet, on this giant database that you've built. And then, and then in the contest, their models will be shown new images, images not in the database, and you'll see how, how good they are. And for a while, it's like going okay, right? Yeah. But kind of slow. Like you're in the book, you write about like you get a little worried. You built this giant thing with people all around the world, and it's not for a while leading to the breakthroughs that you had imagined. Yeah. Tell no, me about that it, time. It was, first of all, we open sourced this. We didn't, even though we spent a lot of sweat and tears, um, you know, building this, but we know the real value is to open source. So we gave it for free to the whole community. And then I, I wanted everybody to use it. I wanted to see this driving um, all of us towards the North Star. I want the field to, to work on. But it wasn't like an overnight success. It wasn't like everybody's running around and say, oh my God, there's image net to use. And uh, of course, um, we were not, you know, we, we were disappointed, but, but we were not sitting there crying. We were just disappointed. Um. And so there is this big moment, right? After a few years at one of the contests, there's three a new years. model, yeah. three years. So tell me about that moment. So the result of 2012 came in and we saw this result coming out of Professor Jeff Hinton's lab using neural network and the the difference, the, 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 the error reduction compared to previous years was just much bigger. The you know, and we started to realize this is a very, very significant moment because there is a serious, uh, serious uh, breakthrough in terms of um, the results of ImageNet, which is which is the North Star problem, right? So it was so important for me that um, I, you know, bought last minute plane ticket to fly to Italy to announce the the ImageNet uh, challenge winner that year. And um, you, you weren't going to go otherwise? You weren't I, I wasn't planning to go because I was still a nursing mom. <laughs> so uh -huh. I was taking, you know, I was mostly working from home at that point in that month. And uh, but I was like, this is so important that I needed to go. And so, I mean, so this was someone working with Jeff Hinton and using a neural network. Like today, Jeff Hinton, you know, if you know two names in AI, Jeff Hinton is probably one of them. People call him the godfather of kind of modern AI, right? And neural networks are essentially the thing that has worked, right? Both for vision and for language, you know, ChatGPT's neural network. And so this was a moment where it was like, oh, this technique that a lot of people thought wasn't going to work had kind of given up on, it's back. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I think it's actually a parallel story of two groups of people that had that determination, um, seeing something 
that um, you know maybe the mainstream wasn't seeing, and then had the resilience and uh, just perseverance to keep marching on. I was doing my North Star pursue. I was doing the big data approach. They're doing the neural network algorithm, and then we converged. Uh huh. It's that's really elegant, right? Because it's like your big data is just sitting there, and you don't maybe entirely know it, but you kind of need a, a, a neural network to come and and train on it, right? And they're over there building their neural network, and they may or may not know it, but they need the big data that you're over here building. And yes. then yeah. when it comes together, it's like, hey, it works. Yeah. So I think that's how science uh, progresses. It's kind of. Spiraling up, and sometimes it takes a couple of more threads. It's not a single spiral. I remember very vividly that um, some of one of the critiques, one of the many critiques of ImageNet by my colleagues is this is too big. We're not. We cannot even fit this into memory. What are you doing? What What are you making this? Giant data set for when we cannot even work, you know, put it in a, on a chip. And uh, as that was happening, GPU was happening. So G- GPUs are the NVIDIA chips that yes. are now yeah. made NVIDIA one of the biggest companies in the world. Yes. But th- they were figuring out that GPUs are particularly good for uh, the neural networks. Exactly. Exactly. So that moment, this moment when you guys come together and kind of create this, you know, new era of computing, really, that we're still living in of, of AI. It's about 10 years ago now, right? Yeah. Um, so just just bring me to the present. Like, that happened then. Where are we now? I mean, it's it's kind of the same universe, right? It has advanced a lot, but the basic premise of you have neural networks training on vast, vast uh, databases of images, like, it's basically the same, right? So from a conceptual point of view, you're right. At that time, I was downloading the Internet of Images. To be honest, now the Internet of Images is just so vast. I don't know who can yeah. download it all. And uh, and then the GPUs is mind-bogglingly um, advanced, right? But you're right. The ingredients are still the same. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Let's do a lightning round. Okay. Uh, what's one thing you learned running a dry cleaning shop? That's not very light to me. I have to think. Um, I think I learned resilience because my goal is to be a scientist. But if it takes running a dry cleaner shop to get there in the most detoured way, I'll have to do that. So uh, you write in the book about a high school teacher who was a very big and important influence on you and how your advisors in grad school were an important influence. And now you have been a mentor to many people. So I'm curious, what's one tip for finding a mentor? For finding a mentor? Um, that's a great question. I trusted them. I Different stage, this trust meant different things. I trust their um, genuine intention. I trusted their wisdom. I trusted their vision. And I trusted their um um you know believing me so that was how i was lucky to find my mentors what's one tip for being a mentor being a mentor is really about respecting the the person the soul and help them to find their north star to find their passion um if everything goes well what problem will you be trying to solve in 5 years I'm trying to usher in um, machines being so helpful and collaborative for humans, whether it's productivity or our well-being. If this includes sensors, spar sensors, uh, virtual agents, or real um, robots, um, I think it all, you know, I, I'm very excited by that. Fei-Fei Li is a professor of computer science at Stanford and the author of the book, The Worlds I See. Today's show was produced by Edith Russelo and Gabriel Hunter Chang. It was edited by Karen Chikurji and engineered by Sarah Brugier. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in your open space.